Thank you so much for your giving. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the word. We have um, been in a series called Fortify, and in this series, we've in week number one, we talked about lively stones. And in that message, we talked about the spiritual house God is building, and he's using um, different people to build something that reflects him. And I've had so much feedback about the Joels and the Isaiahs. They're fighting and throwing punches and all kinds. No, I'm just kidding. But we had a good time with that message. And, and the point of it was is that God is using different people to build something that reflects him. And we need to celebrate one another. Last week, um, we talked specifically about the seven rhythms of the New Testament church. Um, the, the New Testament church, as it was being established, they had some rhythms that made them effective. And those rhythms are not something that we outgrow, not something that we graduate from. Uh, some of the things that we looked at last week in that message is, is that they had a rhythm of repentance. That was, that was a normal message. Uh, they preached repentance. They, they were good at testimony, sharing their story. We know that prayer and, and serving and sacrificial generosity, they were all parts that, uh, of the rhythms of the New Testament church that made it successful. Today I want to preach to you about fortifying your mind. Fortifying your mind. And I told the first service, I might as well tell you guys, um, the first two messages were very much um, sermons. Like they're built, prayed over, like step one, step two, very, very systematic approach. Um, the Isaiahs probably really enjoyed the first two messages. Um, this message is probably going to, um, you know, connect with the Joels because I don't have a sermon. I got something I want to put in the atmosphere and let's see what the Holy Ghost wants to do today, right? Um, I believe this word though has, some of the Joels are laughing, Isaiahs are like, man, come on, let's get back to the points. Um, I believe the message has the potential to change your life, to break some chains off of your life today as we talk about fortifying your mind. Now, the, the working definition in this series, let's look at that one more time. To fortify literally means to protect or to strengthen against attack, to surround or to provide with defensive military works, to furnish with a means of resisting force or standing strain or wear, to make strong, to impart strength or vigor to, to increase the effectiveness of as by additional ingredients or to strengthen mentally or morally. That's what we've been, we're talking about developing a fortified relationship with Christ. We're dealing with it in terms of the body that we be fortified, but we're also dealing with it in terms of your personal walk with, with Christ, that, that your relationship with him is strengthened, that you are prepared when the enemy throws his attacks against you, that you are stable, you are firm, you're not tossed about by every wind of doctrine or seducing spirit, but you, you have your feet planted in Christ, which is the foundation for, by which we build. And so I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read the first nine verses of Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved, I implore Judea and I implore Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names names are in the book of life. Anybody thankful your name is in the book of life? Like that's, that's good stuff, right? These people are alive and he's saying their names are in, they're written in the book. And he goes on to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, I want to talk to you about fortifying your mind. In other words, we want to get your mind right. It's very important that our mind is right because your life will always move in the direction of what you think about. Where you are is one thing, but what you think about is another thing. And we must fortify our mind. Fortify our mind to the point that our mind is not sick, that our mind is not anxious, that our mind is not fearful, that we are not dominated by worry, but our mind is full of God's word, full of faith, full of victory, and it is fortified, it is stable, it is firm against the attacks of the enemy. Paul said in this context, he encouraged the people as he's writing to the Philippian church, he said to them, rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. And then he closes it out towards the end of those verses by saying, if there's anything praiseworthy, I want you to meditate or think on these things. Now, as Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, he's writing to them for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons he is writing to them is to help them to get the same mind as Christ. That's what he's, he's trying to get them to have the mind of the Lord to think like Jesus, to have, take on the mind or the personality of Christ. But behind the scenes, we just read about it. I won't re-pronounce the names because I don't want to butcher them. But he's writing because there's two women in a fight in the church. There is a rift in the church. And they are at odds with one another. And this rift between the two women, maybe I should say it again, Udia and Sintich. If you named your kid Sintich, I apologize. Um... But these two women are in a rift. They're, in a, they're, they're, they're fighting amongst one another. Um, and the discord is growing. And, and it's growing and, and, you know, you got two people at odds, but it's starting to take an effect on the body. How many know that the enemy loves to use division? That's one of his main tools against the church is to bring division. Um, and... And so I believe that the church in Philippi, they, they needed what a large part of the big C church needs in this nation. And that is to be healed, to be unified, to quit, you know, disagreeing over the minors as long as we're together on the majors. And, and, and let me just go ahead and announce for everybody here, God is moving and God is building his church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we're seeing souls saved in our church every single week. We're seeing people healed every single week. We're seeing demons cast out regularly. God is moving. All right. And so we celebrate what God is doing in our church, but we also got to be fortified. We got to be united in cause and in purpose. If not, we're not able to stand when the enemy throws his attacks against us. And these two women were divided. The church was divided because of their discord. And nothing separates the body of Christ and does more damage than when People who supposedly love God fight and, and discord is being sown, divided in their mentalities. And the problem is that there are times that people become so divided that they cannot find common ground. And that common ground today, I'm not trying to be deep, but the common ground is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He is what we're building on. He, he is the chief cornerstone. And, and, and if we can't agree on everything, we need to at least agree that Jesus is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, and we're building on Jesus, even if we don't see eye to eye, we still see eye to eye on him. And so we're building on a solid foundation. And I love what Paul is trying to, to communicate to the church at Philippi. He's trying to get them to understand, you gotta get your mind right you got to get your mind right. you got to fix your mind. you got to get your mind on Jesus, on the things of God. 
The mind of the Lord is very unique because the mind of the Lord has certain characteristics that when you're thinking like Jesus, there are, there are certain characteristics that automatically begin to show. There is fruit from having the mind of God. Some Christians talk and, and you, you listen to them speak and, and you watch how they live and you don't see the mind of the Lord. You don't see the fruit of the Spirit. And the mind of the Lord will point us to the Word of God, but it will also show us Galatians 5, 23, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the mind of the Lord. That, that is the fruit. I, listen, I want you baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I want you to speak in tongues. But at, after about a week, I want to see some fruit. Amen. Tongues is not a fruit. That's a gift. The fruit of uh, the fact that you have the Holy Ghost is that you have love and self-control, and you're faithful that is the fruit of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And could you imagine what we could do to the enemy's kingdom, what we could do to the powers of darkness if the church would get so filled with the Holy Ghost that we began demonstrating, not tongues, but demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit and having the mind of the Lord that would produce unity in the body. What, what kind of damage could we do to the enemy if we operated in that. And it's so important that we understand that we're all supposed to be different. Everybody say different. In other words, the, the church, though we're all building on Jesus, we, we, we shouldn't all look the same. We shouldn't all dress the same. Um, we, 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 we should be different culturally, uh, philosophically. We, we should be different um, and diverse in, in, in culture and ethnic, ethnicity. Um, we all have certain taste in music. Um, we all have certain preferences and styles that make us unique, that make us different from one another. I, it's a long way of getting to this point. We're not called to be Christian clones where we all look the same and sound the same. That there should be diversity in the house of God. And, and, the, and what makes it so beautiful is when you have all the diversity that can put uh, all of their stuff to the side to say we're coming together with people that don't look like us, talk like us, dress like us, but we're all building on the same foundation and that foundation is Jesus Christ. That's what we're building. Go ahead and give him a prayer. Don't patty cake, just give him a real one. We're building on him. So when it comes, and, and, and listen, there should be diversity on all of those things I just mentioned. But when it comes to the mind of God, and to the word of God, to holiness, to the sanctity of life, to racism, to some of the big, to, to God's word having the final authority, how many know we shouldn't be different on that? We should all be in agreement. Um, and, and it's so important. These are the things, the big picture idea, these are the things that bring unity. The virgin birth, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the fact that Jesus is Lord. I, I had a, a Jehovah Witness knock on my door the other day, and I didn't even know that it was a, I thought it was like a pastor coming to visit me. I'm like, this is cool. I'm getting cared for. I'm a pastor. And he, that's what I thought. And they knocked on the door, you know, and you know, he said, um, real quick, full-blown suit, dressed to the nine. I mean, like, wow. I mean, woo. Here I am in shorts and a hoodie doing laundry. I open the door, hair's a mess. He's like, um, yeah, we're here to talk to you. Um, I'm like, I I'm sorry. I I I'm a pastor, but today's my day off. Fridays are my day off. It was Friday. I was in the middle of laundry. And he knocked on the door that's right beside the, the mudroom, the laundry room. And so that's the door, I, and, and he asked me, he said, um, and I had a, my brother's shirt. By the way, my brother's going to be here next week to preach message four of Fortify. So he'll be here next week. Um, but I had on his church sweatshirt. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. <laughs> anyway, um, I opened the door, and um, immediately he's like, I'm here to talk to you. I'm so-and-so. This is my wife, so-and-so. And he said, who would you say Jesus is? I mean, right out the gate. And, and I'm like, 
He's the son of God, the Messiah. He's the only way to heaven. Um, and he looked at me and said, um, okay, awesome. I'm glad you're spiritual and left. <laughs> he wanted no part of it. Wanted no part of that conversation. Why? Because we can all agree there is only one way to the Father. His name is Jesus. You can't get there any other way. Come on, there's not multiple doors. There's one door. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you believe it, give him a praise right there. So we're diverse but we can have unity because of the big picture. Listen, if you, you can perceive me any way you want to, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a leader, you can perceive me any way you want to. But if you miss this about me, you don't know anything about me because before I am a preacher, a pastor, or a leader, listen to me, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. I am born again. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am on my way to heaven, and I want to live my life for him. you got to know me first as a follower of Jesus if you're going to know who I am. That's what brings unity to the body, that we are following Jesus. Paul is calling the people to be in the same mind of Christ. He's like, I want you to get in the right mind, but I want you to stay in the right mind. And it's really important because some of us, we have the right mind when we leave our house at 8 o'clock in the morning. Our mind is fixed. We're good. But 8.05, the phone rings. And we go from having the right mind to losing our mind in five minutes. We go back and forth. That first encounter with that coworker who gets on our last nerve. And we go from the right mind to the wrong mind. You got to get to a place in your walk with Christ if you're going to be fortified and stable as a follower of Jesus. That you're not tossed around by all the things going on around you. That, that things don't knock you out of kilter. Um, because you, you got something on the inside. I think the scripture says it very clearly. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And so many times, even as followers of Jesus, we get pulled into distractions and pulled into the wrong mindset. I was having myself a pity party just the other day, and I spent about seven or eight hours feeling sorry for myself and thinking, I'm sad. I was literally saying, I'm sad. I couldn't even tell Karen why I was sad. And, and then I had to come to the conclusion, this isn't nothing but the devil. I have, I'm, I, I, God has saved me. Like, I can, I can pay for, for my kids to have somewhere to sleep. I've got clothes on. Lord, I'm in my right mind, I think, unless somebody tells me differently. Like, and, and my wife is beautiful. My kids are amazing. And I just started rehearsing all the good things because, listen, listen, sometimes things, everything in your life's not going to go in the direction you want it to go, but you can always find at least one thing that you should be thankful for. And sometimes it's all about perspective. Some of us, we like throwing our little pity parties and we get offended when we invite people and they don't show up. You invite me to your pity party, I'm probably not coming. You invite me to your praise party, I'll be there. Oh, this is going over real well. I'm just filling y'all out real quick. I'm going somewhere with this because to fortify means to strengthen against any attack. And we're kidding ourselves if we think we can follow Jesus and serve him and not be attacked. As a matter of fact, if you really go after Jesus and serve him, get ready. The devil don't care about you if you ain't making a difference. If you're just whining around all the time, he, the devil's on my, why would he be on your back? You ain't doing nothing. But if you're, if you're advancing the kingdom and you're following Jesus, there will be attacks, but you can be prepared for those attack, attacks. And so I'm going to give you two things. Told you I don't have like seven points in a poem, but I do have two things that I want to put into your spirit today to help fortify your mind. The first one is fortify your mind through praise. Fortify your mind through 
praise. You got to get your mouth full of praise. You got to get your mind full of praise. You got to get your heart full of praise. You have to have a lifestyle of praise. Praise is not just something um, that we participate in when the worship team is singing songs. Praise is something that is a lifestyle. It is something that we do. It is something that should find its way out of our mouth every single day. Sometimes praise is radical. And, and I, I don't mean just that you're going to run laps around the church in praise. That's good. And by the way, if you feel like running a lap, I may follow you, okay? Um, that, that's totally cool. But sometimes praise is radical in that you're praising God in the midst of a bad doctor's report. You're praising God in the midst of losing a job. You're praising God when things are not manifesting as fast as you thought they should have. The breakthrough hasn't come as, as quickly as you thought uh, that it should have come. And you're praising God in spite of situations that are not favorable. That's a radical praise. Um, whether they walked out on you, whether you lost a job, whether you experienced betrayal, whatever it is, that it, praise becomes radical when you can praise God in the middle of a storm. Um, and, and praise says, greater is he that is in me. That's what you're doing when you praise God. And some of us, if we would be really honest, we are living defeated lives. We're defeated in our mind, defeated in our spirit. But if we could, if we could shift the focus off of our problems and put our praise on the solution, how many know God will bring us out of some of the mess we're in? Come on, somebody. I need somebody to grab it. I need you to grab it. It's real easy to get in a dark place uh, where we complain all the time, where we're not giving God the praise that, that, that's due him. But I, I believe God is looking for some people that know how to give him praise even in the midst of a terrible situation. Some people that can praise him no matter what. And you have to know that the enemy wants you to be consumed with your circumstances. But when you praise God, you're putting your attention not on what's going on in your life. You're putting your attention on the one that can make a way out of no way. It, it, let, let me just challenge y'all right now. If there's anything that you need God to do or any way you need God to show up in your life, take the next 10 seconds and let's give him a praise right now. If there's anything you need God to do, that's a weak praise. That's a weak praise. I told the first service, and we're going to get there in a minute. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get there in a minute. I told them at the end, I was like, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, praise today, y'all were a 1. Like, I couldn't even go to 2. God wants us to praise him. He wants to be lifted up. And I love that the one who's writing about thinking about things that are praiseworthy and about keeping your mind fixed was the Apostle Paul. And he penned these words, and he's so qualified to talk about praising God in the middle of a bad circumstance. Because Paul, he, he understood the importance of fortifying his mind through praise, because as he's writing these words, he's in jail. Listen, he's not at the Hyatt. He's not at the Ritz-Carlton. He's not staying at the Greenbrier Resort. He is locked up. He is in chains. He is in prison awaiting death by beheading. And somehow, in the midst of all that, he fortified his mind to praise. And he wasn't just surviving. He's, he was surviving with joy. So Paul's in prison awaiting to be taken out. He knows death is coming. And he's talking about joy and peace and a fixed mind and praising God. And some of us, if they post about us on Facebook, we lose our joy. I'm where you're living right now. They posted and you've spent the next three days talking about how bad your life is. Everybody hates me. Nobody's for me. Can you imagine if that was the letter we got from Paul? Everybody hates me. I'm in chains. My life's terrible. Good luck, church. <laughs> no, in the midst of it, he's saying, I'm fortified my mind through praise. I, I, I have the joy of the Lord even in a, 
in a difficult situation. What, what I find interesting when I, when I talk about praise, and then the alternative of, of that is, is our complaints. And in case you don't know this, our complaints is proof we don't have faith, number one. But our complaints is our argument against God's sovereignty. And a lot of times what we don't understand is that the devil, he doesn't care if you and I survive as long as we survive miserably. Like, it, he, he wants to take the joy out of your relationship with God. He, you know, some Christians, you ask them how they're, oh, I'm great. It's like, tell your face. You don't look great. You know, he wants us to be miserable and surviving. And so the devil, we know that he was kicked out of heaven. And what you got to know about the devil is he's so warped in his thinking that when you and I complain and we speak negativity into the atmosphere, he, t he takes our negativity and our complaints as praise unto him. And so sometimes, though, we won't give God the praise and we sit around complaining about everything in our life and speaking all the, the negativity, what we don't know is we're actually praising the devil. He is so sick in his thinking and so warped in his thinking, we know he got kicked out of heaven because instead of understanding he was reflecting the glory, he started thinking that the glory was coming from him. And when God said, that's enough, you're out, he still wanted that glory. And the way the devil gets glory is when you and I speak negativity, criticism, and complaints instead of praises unto God. Every time I remain negative, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the molly grub, whatever you want to call it, I am actually praising the devil. He takes that as compliments to him, as praise unto him. Every time I praise the Lord, every time I show up in the midst of problems and situations and I say, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Do you know every time I praise the Lord, it insults hell? It insults the devil and hell every time I praise the Lord. And so Paul says, while in jail, in the natural, there's no reason to praise God, but he pins the words, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Somebody say again. All right. I love this word. It's kind of like when you're going through a difficult season and you got some people that don't understand your walk with God and they look at you and they're like, are you praising God again? Are you clapping again? Are you praying again? Are you going to church? Are you going to revive again? And, and it's like, yes, I still believe. I still got a praise on my lips. And this word again in Greek literally means repetition, habit, or lifestyle. In other words, I'm doing it again because every time I turn around, I'm going to see the goodness of God. It, it, it may look dark, it may look, look bleak, but every time I look at my spouse, I see the goodness of God. When I look at my kids, I see the goodness of God. When I, when I clock in at work on a Monday morning, I see the goodness of God. Why? Because God provided the job. I am seeing the goodness of God everywhere I look. And so again, I say rejoice. We fortify our minds through praise. Again, I say rejoice. This Greek word means repetition, habit, lifestyle. But it's interesting thing about the word, it also means to wrestle with or to contend with. And that simply means that there are a lot of times you're not going to feel like praising God. You're not going to feel like it. I'm a pastor and there are sometimes I walk in here and I don't feel like praising him. Some of you are like, I, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't always feel like praising him, but you praise him anyway. And you praise him anyway because God has proven his faithfulness into your life. There are times that to contend with or wrestle with, it means that I have to fight to praise. I have to fight to do it. I've got to wrestle through it. I've got to contend for it. And the enemy wants your mind and my mind full of confusion, full of doubt, worry, and fear. He wants to inflict your mind and make you give up. The enemy wants you to feel hopeless. Those are all the things the enemy wants to do. But I came to announce to you guys, to this church today, that because our God is a way maker, 
because our God is a healer, because our God is a deliverer, I will continually praise him every single day, whether I feel like it, whether I don't feel like it. Why? Because he's worthy of my praise. Well, pastor, I don't see God. He's not showing up. I don't see God anywhere. Well, his address is P.O. Box Praise. You want to see God? You want to experience God? Learn to open up your mouth. Christians drive me crazy. I'm a pastor, which means I'm around Christians 99% of the time. Um, But they drive me crazy because they refuse to praise the Lord. They refuse to lift a hand. They refuse to serve in the kingdom. They refuse to do anything. And it's like, God's not showing up, and I can't find God. P.O. Box praise. If you'll get a praise in your mouth, God will show up in your circumstance. Some of us, we cancel out everything God wants to do because what we don't understand is that angels, and I can do a whole teaching on this, angels are carriers of the word of God. We see it all through script. They carry a message. They carry a word. When we speak prayers, many times they carry a prayer or a word to God or a word from God back to us. So they carry the word. Um, But what we don't understand is when we're not speaking the word and we're speaking negativity and complaints and grumblings and all those things, demons are nothing more than fallen angels and they still carry words. And some of us, we feel our atmosphere with with words that that draw attention from demons instead of the angels of God. Did you know your words are a gate or an open door for either life or death? For either God to show up in a powerful way or for demons to have access to your mind? All through the words that we speak, words that we say. But when I start speaking praise to God, I start attracting the anointing of God. I start attracting the favor of God. He starts, you know, aligning kingdom connections for me. All because I'm I'm magnifying him. Some of us need to make a decision that for the next year, some you I know some of you can't think, there's no way I could do that for two minutes. But for the next year, I'm not going to complain another minute. Some of y'all, just the thought of that, that's impossible. I'll walk on water before I get do that, preacher. Because we are so used to complaining, so used to grumbling. But maybe take a year and say, you know what? I'm not complaining this year. This year I'm going to praise. And watch your life begin to move in the right direction. David said, he said, I remember you, God, when I lay down on my bed. And I love that scripture because a lot of times when we lay down at night on our bed, that's when the negative thoughts come. We start worrying about tomorrow. We start worrying about, you know, what are we going to do financially? What are we going to do, you know, with that doctor's report? What are we going to do with our children? And, you know, y'all know how the devil is. You're trying to lay down. You want to rest. You want to go to sleep. Like, I, you know, and you lay down and immediately he will bombard you with the wrong thoughts. But David said, on my bed, I remember the Lord. What was David doing? He was laying down. Instead of rehearsing what he was fearful of or worried about, he started rehearsing the goodness of God. He started, listen, if you want the devil to let you sleep, just start rehearsing the goodness of God at night. He'll leave you alone. He'll let you go to sleep. He started rehearsing what God had done and thanking God for what he had done in his life. Paul also praised God because God had helped him. And what I love about Paul is that he had gone through the pain of prison, the pressure of prison. He was on a death sentence and and part of the pressure on his life was that all these churches that he had planted and started, he wasn't able to provide the leadership that he wanted to to those churches. He had lost freedom. He had lost the opportunity to preach in the traditional way. Now he's having to preach while in chains and using pen and paper to do it. So important that we were able to push through adversity to keep a praise on our lips. My first pastor told me, he said, he told me when I was very young, he said, Chad, you can worship your way through any season. You can worship your way. You can praise God through any season. And I had no idea the magnitude of what he was saying in the moment. Oh, that's a great, you know, yeah, I need to worship no matter what. But how many know when you're going through hell? And then let's worship. Let's praise in spite of what's happening. 
The truth is we've all been through some stuff. Every person in this room has been through some stuff. I told the 9 a.m. service, I'm 45 years old now. I'm no longer the young preacher. I was called the young preacher for years. That is a young guy. It's a young preacher down there. This morning, I think I was called the old guy that leads the basketball group. How do you go from the young preacher to the old man so quick? But I have gone through a lot in my life. I've traversed a lot of seasons in 25 years of ministry. I've traversed a lot of things. I've I've lost friends. I've lost money. I've lost sleep. I've walked through betrayal more times than I can count. But listen, in the midst of all of that, what I can tell you is that God has been good. God has been faithful. And as long as I keep a praise on my lips, everything is going to be okay. Fortify my mind through praise, point two. Y'all are like, thank God. Point two, fortify my mind through purity. Paul said while in prison that he was concerned about the way people were living. I mean, that was a concern of the great apostle. He was concerned. How is the church living? What's their life look like? Are they living pure? Are they... Are they fulfilling what Jesus taught? Are they living out the gospel or are they going with some, you know, false gospel? It was a concern of the Apostle Paul. He wanted to make sure that the people were living in purity. And listen to me, church, part of living in purity means that I'm unwilling to hold on to bitterness, unwilling to hold on to unforgiveness or hatred or hopelessness or complaints, or divisions. I want, I want everybody to know it's impossible to have a healed life as long as you have a sick mind. It's impossible. Paul said, let your moderation, is one translation, or let your gentleness be known to all men. He's talking about gentleness, kindness. He's talking about appropriate behavior. In other words, Paul had a standard he expected those who followed Jesus to live by. That they had a behavior that exemplified their following Jesus. And if there's ever been a time where the church needed appropriate behavior, it is right now. People that are living pure lives, they're not afraid of words like holy or ticked off that we would be held to a standard of purity and holiness. One of the things that's happening in the last days and will continue to happen is there are seducing spirits, seducing many people where they think we can live any way we want to and we're still good with God. I want to let everybody know on my watch, the devil is a liar and you can't live any way you want to live and be okay. That's a false gospel. But that gospel is being preached in pulpits all over the world. Paul said, let your gentleness be known to all men. In other words, we, we got to act right. And listen, I'm not preaching a gospel of outward behavior. I'm not getting into legalism. But I am saying, if you have been regenerated on the inside and sanctified on the inside, there ought to be some changes happening on the outside. Some people say they're saved, and I want to look back at them and say, saved from what? Because your life looks no different. If you get saved and nothing changes in your life, I think I have grounds to question whether you've met Jesus. Not in a judgment. Because at, at the end of the day, I want, every, I want heaven full, as Reinhard Bonnke said, I want heaven full and hell empty. I want everybody to go. But I don't want to preach in such a way that people think they're going when they're not. I don't know how else to say this. Our minds will either be polluted or pure. Polluted or pure. And the enemy wants circumstances to pollute our minds, to keep us from thinking the way Jesus thought. A lot of times we sit around and we say things like, I don't know why she acts like that, or I don't know why he did that, or these people are crazy. You know, you know how we are. Our minds, they, they run amok. And, and 
appropriate behavior requires an appropriate mindset. Because before you and I say or do negative things, you know what happens first? We thank them. It's why the mind of Christ is so important. The enemy wants us to all think revenge, think wickedness, think hatred, think unforgiveness, all those impure thoughts. And Paul is, is telling the, the people of the Philippian church, he's like, push all of that out. Let's be pure in thought. Let's take on the mind of Christ. The truth is, some of you, you've been depressed long enough, defeated long enough, beat down long enough. And the only way you're going to rise out of that, that frame of, of, of living, that way of living, is you're going to have to take on the mind of Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus can set you free in an instant. Right now, you could be totally set free. In this, you can be set free right now, split second. Won't take a second longer. But if you don't renew your mind, you will end up needing set free all over again. Our mind has to be renewed every single day. The Apostle Paul, the same guy who, who we just read out of Philippians, he's the same guy who said, I have to die to myself every single day. That in my flesh, watch this, there is no good thing. There's nothing good in our flesh. It's only when we operate with the mind of Christ. Are y'all okay because you look like you're hurting? Anybody, y'all okay? If you're okay, give him a praise right here. Y'all making me nervous right now. It's, whoo. Holy Ghost, you working right now. That's what's happening. You're working right now. Paul closed the letter and he said, I want you to fix your thoughts. I love that, that <laughs> the way he's saying is fix, fix your mind, fix your thoughts. Because when you want your dog to stop producing, do you know what you do? You get it fixed. Some of you need to get your mind fixed. You need to let the Holy Ghost do surgery on this. You need to let the Word of God, listen, I, I just, I'm preaching to some, I don't know who it is, but someone, you've been in a cycle where you keep, you, you make, you take a few steps up and then you get knocked back three steps. You take three steps forward and then you get knocked back four steps. And I believe God sent me here today to tell you, whoever that person is, that, that the Holy Spirit wants to transform your mind, but our mind is transformed. It's renewed through the word of God. You've got to get the word of God in here. And, you, and, and it's not just thinking it. Sometimes you got to say it. I know it sounds crazy, but I used to look at myself in the mirror when I first started preaching because I had so much shame and guilt and condemnation on my life from what I, had, what I used to do that when I first got called to preach, I would have to stand in the mirror, look at myself and say, you are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. God loves you. God's for you. He's anointed. And I would talk to myself like that before I came out to preach because I had to work through renewing this. You got to renew your mind. And God wants us to fortify our minds through praise, but he also wants us to fortify our minds through purity we got to fix our minds. Unhealthy thoughts will destroy your life and short-circuit your destiny. People can't do that to you, but you can do it to yourself by thinking the wrong way. A new man requires a new, a new mind. As a worship team comes, because if they don't, I'm going to keep preaching, and I feel like I could just lock the doors and be here another hour or two. I believe this is hitting home for some people. The Apostle Paul here in this text, he never allowed his circumstances to rob him of his praise or his purity. He stayed pure. Never one time did his tone change to one of anger against his tormentors or watch this, or even towards God because sometimes, I mean, if you're locked up in a dungeon and you're tied up and you know you're on death row, as a follower of Jesus, it's real easy to say, well, if God is so good, why didn't he 
prevent all this. But his tone never went there. He continued to praise God through it. And the only way we can do that is to not have the mind of the world, but to have the mind of Christ. His desperate praise outweighed his desperate circumstance. His mind was fortified through both praise and purity. Psalm chapter 107, verses 8 and 9. It says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. I love that verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, that men, and that means women too, would give thanks to the Lord. Let me ask you guys, do you have anything to praise God for? Let me ask, let me rephrase the question. Y'all are a tough crowd, by the way. If you knew that your praise was the key to your breakthrough and your victory, how would you praise him? How would you praise him? Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. I'm not done yet. We're, we're going to work this for a minute. How would you praise him if you knew it was the key to your breakthrough? Right now, what I want you to do, some of you are struggling, so we're going to help you. I want you to think right now of five things or five reasons. You can make a mental note. You can pull out a piece of paper and jot them down. But five reasons you have today to praise God. Come on, begin thinking about that. Five reasons why you have to praise God. I want you to get them in your mind. At least five. Some of you are going to struggle for a minute, but you'll get there. Some of you are like on 15 already. My Joel people are on 29. Because they feel this. Five reasons why you have to praise God. Reasons why you should praise God. The Bible tells us, how many have got at least five in your head? All right? Now watch this. Watch this. The Bible tells us, this is so funny. Because I, I, I picture us doing this, and I think it would look like we were a bunch of crazy people. Can I just be honest? The Bible says to praise the Lord with all your might. It says to praise him in his sanctuary. It says to praise him for his mighty acts. A praise him according to his greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, the lute, the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The Bible goes on to tell us that we are to clap our hands, all, all you people, Shout unto God with a voice of triumph and to dance before the Lord and leap for joy. And I, I, I think about that, what that would look like if everybody really got loose. Maybe that's why you're so bound. Maybe you ought to get loose enough to praise God with all your mind. I am going to challenge you to do one thing uncomfortable. Somebody that you didn't come to church with or you're not sitting with, I want you to leave your seat right now and then I want you to come back. I just want you to go tell one person one thing that you have to praise God for. I don't care what it is. Fine, move right now. Tell, one, tell them one thing, one reason why you have to praise God. Whatever that one reason is, Everybody find one? One reason to praise God. Now let's take the next 20 seconds and let's give God some praise. Come on, take about 20 seconds and let's give God some praise right now. Praise Him until the chains lift. Praise Him until something shifts. Praise Him until your attitude changes. Praise Him until the depression falls off. Praise Him until something shifts 
in your life. Come on, church. Give him a praise today. He's worthy. We fortify our minds through praise. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we push out all anger, rage, bitterness, anxiety, hopelessness, and God, we declare joy is coming to this house. Joy is coming to our mind. Clarity is coming. Peace is coming. The drama and the issues that the enemy has brought into our life stops today and your praise shall continually be on our lips. Father, we give you praise now for everything you've done, but God, we give you praise in advance for everything you're going to do. And at the end of the day, God, we worship you and we praise you, not just because of what you've done, but we praise you because of who you are. Come on, one more time, put your hands together. I feel something shifting in the room right now. I want to do two things. Man, this sir, y'all better than a nine o'clock. Y'all my favorite. <laughs> I want you to bow your heads for a moment. We're going to do two things right here. I, 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 man, there's heaviness being lifted off of someone today. I sense the Holy Spirit doing something right now. Heaviness is being lifted. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you knew, if you could see in the spirit what your praise does, every time you lift your voice in praise, it's an insult to the devil and all of hell. I want to speak to people right now that are in this room and you would say, you know what, Pastor? I'm not in right relationship with God, but I want to be. I need to repent of sin. I need to turn from it, and I need to turn to Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to ask that you be bold enough to say, Pastor, you're talking to me. And if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Thank you for these two hands here. God bless you. I thank you for those two back there. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, that's, that's me. Anyone else before we pray? Don't want to miss another one here? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I want us to pray out loud and all together. Come on, pray, pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me. For all my sins, I repent of those sins and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give all those people a big God bless you today. Praise God. The prayer team and staff would go ahead and get in place. Those of you that just made that commitment to Christ, if you would take just a minute to jot that down on a connect card, let one of our team members, our, our, I know that our uh, compass directors are looking for you. They want to get some information to you. We just want to help you take your next step. But I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward, get in place. Guys, can we turn this auditorium during this last song? into a Psalm 150 type place where we praise God with everything in us. Can we do that for the next five to seven minutes? And let's give God the best we have. If you need prayer, come for prayer. Otherwise, let's worship together.